0: Well, why do we do Heart Week? Because we can. You know, we don't need any other reason, deep reason. We do it because we can. Uh, we can bless the city. We can have an impact on other lives. So like yesterday, I was out at the den out in South Auckland in Glen Green, uh, who leads Better Way, who's part of our church. Uh, has, he started a project where he set up a three-on-three basketball court and uh, $250,000 worth of gear was given And uh, yesterday, we were able to open up at uh, Bruce Pullman Park, uh, the den, which is going to serve that community out there. How many reckon that's awesome? And I love the fact that we've got a church that gets it, gets it. Uh, How many know some people who are a little slow to get the joke? You know, they laugh, uh, you know, a minute afterwards. You know, there's some people when a joke is told, they just laugh, but they don't get it. But they laugh, and you ask them why they're laughing. They're just going, because uh, I don't want to be the one who gets exposed. Um, how many know some people like that? Yeah, I love the fact that we've got a church who gets it who gets why we exist, a church that gets our mission and gets purpose and and gets that we're not here for ourselves, but we're here uh, to win a world, to change a world. I love the fact that we're part of a church that gets it, that church is not a building, but a community of people, that that gets it, that uh, church is not just a Sunday gathering, but this is just a place of equipping so that you can change your world, that you can make an impact for the kingdom of God and whatever sphere God's placed you in. I love the fact that you get it. Since you never say, you get it. Do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah. And uh more and more people are getting it. You know, the penny's dropping. And it's like they're having an aha moment. Ah, that's what I'm on the planet for. And uh, through this series, Fulfilled, that we've been speaking about, we've had great feedback of people going, Ah, I see. Uh, I've been looking for fulfillment in the wrong areas. And, and my eyes have been opened to where I can live a fulfilled and a satisfied life. Come on, how many want to live a fulfilled and a satisfied life? Oh, well, three people want to live a fulfilled uh, come on, how many want to live a fulfilled and a satisfied life? And uh, God's got that for you. Well, the foundation text for this uh, series comes from Exodus chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, let's go back there because I want to drill this in. In fact, I'm not going to cover so much new ground this morning because I've got a new look going on. The bed's gone. The bed has gone. In fact, I shaved it off. I came out of the bathroom, and uh, my oldest daughter went, "Ooh!" I <laughs> uh, feel like going back into the bathroom and putting glue on that hair and and putting it back on, but uh, I can't vary the look too many other ways. And so, I thought I'd change it up a, a little bit for you. Anyway, let, let's go to Exodus, Exodus chapter six. Let's go to verse. 5 It says, You can be sure that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. Aren't you glad that God hears us when we're in trouble? That God hears us when we're in a place of slavery, when we're bound. God hears our groans and he responds to it. And he says, And I'm well aware of my covenant, my promise with them. Therefore, say to the people, I am the Lord. And I will free you from the oppression and will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Within these few verses, you've got four promises that the children of Israel, Israel the Israelites, celebrate around the feast of the Passover. There's four I wills, four promises that are contained in these verses. In fact, when they celebrate the feast of the Passover, they have four glasses of wine that are used to celebrate each promise. Here God is saying, I will save you from slavery. How many are glad they've been saved from slavery? Some of you are going, oh, I've never been a slave. Well, if you have sinned, you've been a slave. You're a slave to whatever you obey. And we're being saved from our sin, from our mistakes, from our past life. fact, Paul says in Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That is good news. We're, we're being set free from slavery. But not only has God delivered us from slavery, from Egypt, He has also delivered us. He's delivered us where Egypt is taken from our lives. You know, we've been talking about in the series how many people can be going to heaven but still living in hell simply because they haven't changed the way they think. Uh, They still see things, look at things the same way they did before they got saved. How many know God doesn't want you to live a miserable life here on earth? God wants you to live a full life. And that's why we not only need to be saved, we need to be delivered. That's the second promise. God will deliver us. Too many people live in the wilderness their whole life not knowing that God's got a better way. God's got something greater. The third cup, the third promise is one of redemption about how we'll find purpose, how we'll find meaning. You know, I'm glad we're not all the same. We're not all clones. You're not all me. You go, thank you, Jesus. But we're not all you. We've been created created unique and different. And God's made us different to display His colors, to display who He is. And it's about you and I finding our uniqueness See, see, God's anointed anointing is, is attached to your uniqueness. Like what Phil Pringle says, God didn't have one of you, He wanted one of you, so He made one of you. You are made in the image of God. And as soon as you discover your uniqueness, the gifts and the graces God's put on your life, it's there you attract God's anointing. It's like an original painting. How many know that attracts so much more value than a copy? You know, an original Rembrandt is worth a pri- amazing amounts. But if you get a print, a copy, it's not worth as much. We've got too many people in, in the kingdom right now who are tr- trying to be somebody else rather than living in their uniqueness. So what has God done? He has saved us. Everybody say that. He has saved us. He has delivered us, and He redeems us that we might live a full life. Four promises. Four things that God wants to do and work in us in our spiritual formation. What does He want us to do? Another way of saying this, He wants us, number one, to know God. In fact, the purpose for the release of the Israelites from Egypt was so that they could worship God, so that they could know God. God wants you to know Him. That's salvation. See, our sin separates us from God. That's why we need a Savior, that we might know God. He wants, secondly, for you and I to find freedom. Find freedom. The third thing He wants us to do is He wants us to discover our purpose. And the fourth thing He wants us to do, and this is about fulfillment, He wants us to make a difference. First thing is to know God. Second is to find freedom. Third is to find, discover purpose. And the fourth is to make a difference. See, why I'm laboring these points is, is we're all somewhere in this journey. Some of us, yet yeah, we're saved. We, we know God, but we're still looking at our future through our past. We look at our future through our past mistakes. And we really haven't yet seen what God wants to release and what God wants to do through our life. And we're somewhere in this this journey. If we could have those four things back up. Some of us, yeah, we've found freedom, but we still haven't found our uniqueness. What we bring to the kingdom, what we've got to offer, Some of us, in fact, sit back and go, well, I haven't got much to offer. It's like, here I am, God, send him, send her, but don't send me. And we don't discover that we've got a part to play and that where you are on on a daily basis is an opportunity to to have a kingdom impact. Or or we're at a point where, where we're not making a difference. Our lives, yeah, we're saved, but it's still about us. See, I believe this process is so important for us to understand that we might move forward. These promises hold the key to to what God wants to do in your life right now. Because the reality is there's still too many people who are unfulfilled, dissatisfied, discontent. Even plenty of Christians right now in the kingdom who's just unfulfilled with church, bored. Don't even know the, the meaning behind it because they haven't understood how God works. God doesn't want you to live an unfulfilled life. Come on, God wants you to be fulfilled in your relationships. Do so I get an Amen. Yeah, come on, there's no substitute for the community that can be experienced in church. Too many people are trying to get in sports clubs, they're trying to get in other avenues, but no, God has built His church to be a community that supports one another, not just in one aspect of life, but in all aspects of life. That's why it's so important when you come to church, you know, we don't just come to a Sunday and we don't just attend, but we connect. And we live in an environment where we're building significant relationships, where we journey through life stuff together. That's church. Church, not not shallow relationships. There's only a certain level of relationship you can get on a Sunday. That's why as a church, we want to be a small church with thousands of people. Because many people look at big churches and they think it's impersonal. But I love the fact that the community that goes on in our church on a weekly basis through our small groups, where people are connecting, strengthening one another, encouraging one another, lifting up the hands of those that hang down, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn. I love that spirit and that heart Yeah, we're not perfect, but as a church, we strive to do relationships authentically. That community, God has fulfillment for you in your relationships. So many people go, oh, you know, I just, I haven't got many friends. Well, the best way to get friends is to give friendship. How many know whatever you sow, you will reap? You sow. So many people are looking to receive. But I've found when you give, it comes back to you. Come on, I want to say, if you're on the edge, if you feel like you're overlooked, give friendship. Sow friendship and you'll receive friendship. In fact, there's a joy in just giving in itself. You know, here's the thing, we're all on this journey and we're looking for fulfillment. You know, some of us right now in our careers, we're unfulfilled. I want to declare over your life. God has a place and a position and a purpose for you where you can be fulfilled in your career. Do I get an amen to that? Come on, God doesn't want you to be miserable five days of the week, six days of the week. He wants you to be living at an optimum because Jesus came, and this is the text that, that, that's quoted many times, but still, it feels like for many, it's a, a way off. Jesus came. That we might have life and life to the, come on, somebody say, Jesus came that we might have life and life to the, come on, the, uh, the devil. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, God wants you to live a full life. I, I, I live with the confidence that, that God's more for me than I'm for myself. God, God wants to fulfill your dreams. That's why the psalmist says, hey, delight in Him. If you delight in Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. Some of us, you know, we think we want that. And we think if we had that, it would satisfy us. I really believe sometimes God allows you or or gives you what you want to show you that it's not going to satisfy you. Some of you have got some of the stuff that you prayed for, and you've got it, but yet you're still empty. It's still not filling that hole. And God said, I I gave it to you to show you that that wasn't going to meet your need, that 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 wasn't going to fulfill your heart's desire. Yeah, I love the fact that when it comes even to the nature of God's plan for church and community, that there's something that only can be satisfied by being part of it. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 36 says, listen to this, he says, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of God's house. There's some things in life God says, hey, you're not going to get them directly from me. There's some things in life you're going to get them from the community I've called you to be a part of. And you will be abundantly satisfied by the fullness of His house. And He says, and you give them a drink from the rivers of your pleasure. See, See, I love God's Spirit. He's a generous God. He's not a holdout. He's not holding out on you. So many people think, oh, they seem to get it, but He's holding out on me. No, God's not a holdout. Psalm 145 verse 15 says, the eyes of all look expectantly to you. I wonder where your expectation lies, what your expectation is in this morning. Here the psalmist says, my expectation is in you. I look to you. And he says, and you. Give them food in due season. Your open hands. You open your hand. So many people are tight-fisted. Just in life, tight, just in relationships, just tight-fisted. And that's simply because of past her, past mistakes. But you serve a God who's not tight-fisted. Come on, you open your hand. What does God do? He opens His hand. He opens his, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. We're not like Mick Jagger who can't get any satisfaction. I try and I try. I can't, I can't get, no. Yeah, I, I wanna emphasize this because this is big because our hearts drift Uh, But some of us need to get this firmly landed in our spirit to remind ourselves that that it's only Jesus who can satisfy the longing of our hearts. Can we we say that all out loud? It's only Jesus who can satisfy the longing of my heart. Only Jesus. Not a new relationship. Not more money. Uh, Only Jesus can satisfy the longing of my heart every gap every void every need it's only jesus who can quench my thirst it's only jesus who can do that now uh, when you find fulfillment <laughs> It's this word. In fact, the fourth cup, as we've talked about, is the cup halal, which is where we get the word hallelujah. It means to celebrate, rave. It means to have a party. How many believe that church should be the biggest party on the face of the earth? Amen. there's, uh, There's nothing like going along to a party and nobody's getting into it. You know, nobody knows what to do. It's a little bit awkward. You know, everybody feels like they don't know each other at the party. You know, everybody's a little bit standoffish in their little groups, you know, different things. It's nothing worse. I reckon church should be the most kicking party on the face of the earth. Uh, amen. Yeah, okay. Church should be. I, I, I just live from that foundation. It should be the greatest gathering that we ever go to. It should be, You know. you know, the most welcoming. You know, I, I like welcome here this morning. You're already loved. Yeah, you don't do, need to do anything to be accepted. You're accepted just as you are. It doesn't matter what background, it doesn't matter. If, if even you believe, uh, you're loved in this place. This is home. You know, that, that's what I, I believe church, church should be. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, I coughed right in the mic then. <laughs> that was awful. Double excuse me. Um, But when there's a sense of fulfillment, praise naturally occurs. Sometimes you get a worship leader or a leader, come on, praise God. And people go, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do what they tell me to do. You know, I'll do it when I want to. It's like, it's like so many people are just so resistant. But when you're living in a place of fulfillment and you acknowledge where that fulfillment came from, uh, praise is just an overflow. That, that's why the psalmist said, my, my heart is overflowing with the good theme. There's an overflow of the good theme of your life. it's it's not something that you have to well up sometimes yeah don't don't get me wrong we all feel tired we can be a little bit grumpy and and you've got to put on the garment of praise it's a decision you have to put on I don't want to put it on Well, God says put it on (laughs) yeah put on the garment of praise and you know, even though you don't feel like it at the time, it, it, it does something in your spirit. And it's almost like you came in and you, you felt heavy, you felt down. And, and, but as soon as you started praising through that decision of faith, something lifted off your life. Uh, that, that's what praise does for you. You know, in, in your home, when things are going wrong, when you've got a lot on, when you know, you've got a lot to think about, you know, just fill it with praise. Turn, turn on that music, turn on that CD, turn, turn on praise, just, just praise. It's amazing how praise cuts through an atmosphere. You know, praise aren't, aren't just the couple of icebreakers at the start of a service. Some of you come late, you don't even know about praise. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> 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 but, but it's the way that we enter His gates. You know, that you enter his gates with praise and you come into his courts with thanksgiving. But it's like, oh, well, I can miss the, the, that fast song because, you know, that's not really my personality. No, praise should never be a personality, a condition to a personality type. It's, it's something I see the most conservative people over recent times. Man, you put them in football grounds. Yeah, you put them in, you know, it's like, the, yeah, it's like, like, it goes in, it, it shouldn't be something that we, you know, get all serious with it in church, you know, praise cuts through. Uh, praise breaks shackles. Uh, praise opens prison doors and, and praise is so vital. And, you know, when, when you're fulfilled, it's just a, a natural overflow. It's like, man, I want to give Thanks. You know, it's good to give thanks to God. It's good. You know, the happiest people on the planet aren't the most richest. We know that they aren't the most famous. Yeah, you know, they aren't the ones who've climbed Everest. If I just climbed Everest, I could tick that off my bucket list. You know, the, the happiest people on the the planet are, are those who've been saved, been delivered. Know their fits. And then have chosen to make a difference in the life of others. Some of us right now we're searching fulfillment in the wrong things. Yeah, you know, in the end, we want our lives to matter, and we want to know. I often use a TD Jakes quote at weddings because the person you're marrying they matter. They matter to you. That's why you're standing at the altar. And T.D. Jakes, he says this, he says to the one you're marrying, you're saying, when my time comes to leave this world, when the chill of eternity blows away my birthday and my future stands still in the night, it's your face I want to kiss goodbye. Isn't that nice? It's your hand I want to squeeze as I slip from time to eternity. As the curtain closes on all that I've attempted to do and be, I want to look into the eyes and see I mattered. Not what I look like or how much money I made or even how talented I was. I want to look into the eyes of someone who loved me and see that I mattered. Now, that's beautiful for wedding, but I, I believe that's in, in the desire of every heart that, that don't, not only do we matter to our spouse and our close family, but, but that we made a difference here on earth. There's nothing more fulfilling than being part of somebody else's journey to Christ. Now, last Sunday night, we had a baptism service Seeing people make a decision for Jesus, a public decision, that's a big deal. To acknowledge Jesus publicly is huge. One guy got baptized and his name's Ben Leota. Uh, I, I was celebrating with everyone, but I knew Ben's journey. In fact, eight years ago, on the side of the netball court, I had a conversation with him. He was only about eight at the time. But he told me before he got baptized that it was that conversation that led him to make that decision last Sunday night. Who would have thought a conversation on the side of a nipple court with an eight-year-old would have an impact? But that conversation there led to... You know, not only him, but his sisters finding Jesus as well. Come on, you can make a difference in your world. There's nothing like, you know, for all the parents out there, seeing your child encounter Jesus for themselves. Whether I'm not coming along to church because you're bringing them there. I got inspired. You know, I talked to Callum Rayner, That's Vicky's son. Vicky, who shared this morning's son. Do you know, he catches the bus Cullum's only, he's about 12, 13, I think, 14, 14, yeah, he's 14, you know, he catches the bus, caught the bus at six o'clock this morning by himself to get to church, to set up so that you and I could have the experience we're having today. Fourteen-year-old? How many? know a fourteen-year-old's got to have their own revelation to get up at six o'clock. <laughs> got to have their own revelation of God, their own revelation of making a difference, their own revelation of serving. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the other night, uh, Kathy was uh, was doing her hair and she had some worship music on, and and my youngest daughter, she was in the bath, and she was just listening to the worship music, and she got out of the bath, put her clothes on, put her pajamas on, came. into into where Kathy was and and she had tears rolling down her cheek and she just talked about how while in the bath she had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus was speaking to her and she just began to unpack with with Kathy how how God was talking to her, this nine-year-old who just knew the reality of God's touch. Nobody prayed for her. She'd be thinking about it the weeks leading up to it. And there was a hunger in her heart. Kathy and I noticed a couple weeks before how she had just got her kid's Bible app out and was reading the stories, just reading them. And then while she's in the bath, the Holy Spirit came and made those stories. Jesus in those stories real to her. Nothing like that for a parent to see a kid have an encounter with Jesus, get it from themselves. See, what, what we do on Sunday, this is, this is not religion. This is about a relationship. And you'll never be fulfilled unless you start to live a life beyond yourself. Yeah, I want to challenge people in this place. you got to get connected. Because the enemy knows if he can isolate you, he can get you. It's like a clump of dirt. You know, how many know if I had a clump of dirt in my hand, I can't just blow it away. But what I do if I want to move it, I break it down until it's in small pieces. And then once it's in small pieces, I just can go. (sighs) Some of you right now, you're susceptible to every wind because you're isolated and you're blown around. It's what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four. You're blown around because you're not connected. Our togetherness helps us stand against the enemy. And what you are got to hear is is isolation isn't emotional. It's tactical. And and the enemy uses it to take us away from God's purpose. I want to say it's deceptive to believe that things would get better if you didn't have to deal with people. I just want to be by myself. Just leave me alone. If it's just me... You know, if I just had to look out, but I've got to look after all these other people. You know, where there's no oxen, the, the trough's clean. There's a lot of mess when there's oxen. But much strength comes from the power of an ox. Some of you right now, oh, I just need to get away by myself. Here's the thing: you end up lonely and unfulfilled. Yeah, sure, you need some time away to refresh, but God's designed us to engage with people. God's designed us to get elbow deep in other people's problems and to bring healing and to bring answers. First question I wanna ask you this morning is, are you connected? And how strong is that connection? Because some of us, if the pressure comes on, we've got a connection, but it's like, man, it's pretty hard to keep it together. I often use this at at a DNA class. Everybody put your elbows apart, put your hands like this. It's like, uh, now this is going to be dangerous for your neighbor, but anyway, we're going to do it. But right now, pull your elbows apart and try and keep your hands together it's almost impossible to keep them together. But how many know if the connection's like this, everybody go like this. Go like this. Now now try and pull your your elbows apart. See, I find in, in a lot of places in church, people are wanting one person to lay hold of them. They want relationship one way, but I found it's two-way. Yeah, we're going to lay hold of Christ. Christ lays hold of us. It's two. Come on. That, that becomes unbreakable. How connected are you? Second thing I want to ask you is, are you contributing? You now again, we have this breakdown of ministers, non-ministers. People think, oh, well, you're the pastor. You have a closer connection to God. Some people think, you know, that my prayers are more powerful. No, it's just that I've chosen to access. You have the same access. If you develop it, it's not like you've got dial-up and I've got fiber. Come on, you you have access to God. you got something to offer and guess what? You too are going to be held accountable for what God's given you. What did you do with it? Did you use it to serve self? Or did you use it to make a difference? Come on, turn to your neighbor say you're called to make a difference. And last thing is, have you learned to celebrate? Celebrate how many know celebrating is not as fun when it's by yourself yeah when you're by yourself and you hear good news it's like "Ah, what am I doing (laughs) but if you're with other people yeah you know what immature celebration is is oh look at me look at me you got young kids it's always look at me look at me look at what I'm doing daddy yeah that's immature uh, celebration immature um goes to another level of maturity when it goes, hey, look at what we did. Immature is is just, uh, look at me, look at my accomplishments, look at what I've done. How satisfying is that? Not for a whole lot of people. People go, ah. But look at what we did. How many know this? Look look at what we accomplished. How many know that's another level? There's nothing like being part of a team that's winning. Here's the thing: if you're part of the kingdom of God, you're on the winning side. We don't need to go to the video referee; we win. Okay, it's like there's nothing like being part of a winning team where it's running on. We win. So, right, look at what we did. But I want to take it up another level. As, is. is Look at what God did through us. One's, look at me, look at me, look at my accomplishments, look at how good I am, look, look, look. One's, look at what we did. But there's another level. Look at what God did through us. Come on, look at what God did. How many know that's another level of celebration? That's another level. Look, oh, that, that's beyond my wildest dreams. God did exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. You know, it's just us realizing we're seeing. Come on, where are you at in the spiritual formation? Salvation, deliverance, redemption, fulfillment. Do I need to go back and go, hey, I I just need to know God. Do you know God? I mean, like, really know. Not do you come to church. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Second, have you been delivered? Was your thought life more determined by what you learn at university and what you read in the newspaper than what's in the Bible. Because you need to be delivered. You need to align your life with the truth of God's Word. There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Redemption. Do you know your uniqueness? Do you know what you're being put on the planet for? Fourth, how are you serving? How are you using what God's given you to make a difference? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're called to make a difference. You're called to make a difference. In Jesus' name. How about everybody stand to your feet? Thank you, God. Well, the question we ask, and I want you to ask this morning is, is Holy Spirit, what would you say to me through this message? What would you say? I want everybody to close their eyes, nobody move, only if they have to. Holy Spirit, what would you say to me through this message? Where do you need to grow? Where do you need to move forward? Where are you looking for other things to fulfill you other than Jesus? Because it's only Jesus who can satisfy the longing of your heart. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd move in this place. I pray that you speak to hearts and speak to lives right now. Right now. Right now in Jesus.